This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Tonight on Huckabee, New York Congresswoman Claudia Tenney, high-spirited comedy with Leland Lawson, author Larry Loftus salutes a World War II heroine, throwback to classic country with Tony Jackson. Trey Corley at the Music City Connection. And I'm your announcer, Keith Filtry. And now, here's Mike Thank you very much. We have a fantastic studio audience here, and uh, we're going to have a fun show. I am so glad you have joined us, and I'm glad this great audience is here. We have had such a good time with them. I think that we're going to lock the doors and keep them, and they will be with us next week as well. We will send food in, and they will have pizza. We're not even going to open the door. We will simply slide it under the crack in the door, and that's how we keep them for the next week. Well... Well, I gotta say, I was deeply saddened to learn of the death of one of my spiritual heroes, Dr. Charles Stanley, who pastored the influential First Baptist Church of Atlanta for over 50 years. Dr. Stanley believed and he preached the Bible as the infallible and inerrant Word of God. And he was twice elected president of the Southern Baptist Convention, and he helped steer it to its roots as a Bible-centered denomination that challenged the culture to adhere to the scripture rather than to try to twist the scripture to adhere to the culture. One of my very favorite personal memories was a private dinner that I enjoyed with Dr. Stanley in New York several years ago. He was a gracious and humble gentleman who cared deeply about people. He simply has no replacement. He was one of a kind. And no doubt the first words that he heard when he got to heaven were these, well done good and faithful servant. It's been a joy knowing that our Saturday night show here on TBN was preceded each week by Dr. Stanley's In Touch broadcast, our tribute to Dr. Charles Stanley. Well, last week, go ahead and give him a big hand for a great legacy that he has left with all of us. Last week, a wild mob of young thugs took to the streets of Chicago for an evening of destroying any hope that brain-functioning people would ever go into that city of Chicago just for a visit. I'll bet you U-Haul is having a great month renting trucks and vans to help people move out of what once was one of my favorite big cities in the world to visit. What went down last week was shocking. Even by current standards of lawless lunatics, as thousands of crazed and violent hooligans destroyed cars, attacked innocent tourists on the famed, once very safe and hospitable Michigan Avenue, and jumped on cars like hyenas in the wild. The police couldn't control or contain the rioters. They were breaking windows, looting stores. And listen to the agony in this woman's voice who's just trying to buy food for her children at a store that has been completely destroyed. Look at this. Came in the store to try to buy something. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not a thief. Look at this. In my hood, can't even get no food for my kids. Babies need milk. Can't even get nothing for my kids, bro. I feel like an animal. And black people made me feel like an animal. I am so devastated right now, G. This is not okay. My heart breaks for that young mother who just wanted to go to the store to buy food for her family. And she walks in and sees that. Those are the people that are getting hurt by this. 
And the consequences of these kids' actions are tragic. And this happened just a few days after Walmart announced that it was going to close four of its stores in the city of Chicago because the crime was so bad that they couldn't protect their employees and said they were losing millions of dollars. Folks, it's pretty bad when the world's largest retailer loses millions of dollars in a store because people walk right in and rob the place blind and empty their shelves in broad daylight because they know their crimes aren't going to be stopped and they're not going to be punished. Just when you didn't think any mayor in America could be worse than Chicago's Lori Lightfoot, along comes Brandon Johnson, the new mayor-elect of Chicago, who says, hold my beer and watch this. By the way, it's probably a Bud Light beer with a photo of a pretend little girl, Dylan Mulvaney, on the can. Probably. And what was the response of the incoming mayor to the mayhem on Michigan Avenue? He said, and I quote, it is not constructive to demonize youth who have otherwise been starved of opportunities in their own communities. Our city must create spaces for youth to gather safely and responsibly under adult grievance, guidance, and supervision to ensure that every part of our city remains welcome for both residents and visitors, end quote. How do people end up thinking such reckless and selfish actions are okay? Now, maybe it started when these guys were three years old, when no one told them no or ever swatted their backsides. Look, I realize it's not fashionable to say it, but many of these wild and violent young adults needed to have had their britches set on fire with a switch belt or paddle when they were five. And then maybe the cops wouldn't have to use clubs, mace, and tasers on them when they were 18. Okay, I realize the lack of real dads in their lives and absentee moms who are having to work multiple jobs or maybe who are drug or alcohol addicted created an environment where basic human relationship skills weren't hardwired into them. But the solution is certainly not to allow lawlessness to continue into their adult years. I admit, I grew up really differently. I grew up poor but I grew up in a home with hardworking and honest parents where I understood from the earliest age that bad behavior had real consequences. And I learned a bad behavior just wasn't worth it. <laughs> you see, my father was a very patriotic man, a real stars and stripes guy. He laid on the stripes and I saw the stars, okay? <laughs> Patriotism. Now, I'm sure that some do-gooder psychologists would say that my parents were too harsh and they stifled my mental development. And I would say that highly educated idiots like that are exactly what's wrong with a lot of kids. They never learned right and wrong in the playground. And if you don't learn it in the playground, now the entire community is having to pay for them to learn it in prison. And most of them, sadly, won't get it there either. Look, I'm not a lock the door and throw away the key kind of person. I've known too many wayward sons experience a life-changing encounter with the real father. You know, the one who art in heaven. But as a society, we ought to be more about forming young lives than trying to reform those lives after they've embarked on a career of crime, craziness, and killing Chicago has been run by Democrat mayor since 1931 without interruption. Its current nightmare is being replicated in many major American cities like New York, San Francisco, Portland, Atlanta, and more. The common denominator is leftist leadership that protects and coddles violent criminals. The decent people live in constant terror. But here's a word to the wise, if any are left. Keep voting in complete idiots devoid of common sense and a sense of duty to the law, and you will never have a moment's peace where you live, if you can even stay alive in such a living hell. We're going to take a short break. Keith Bilbrey, why don't you let these good people know what's in store for them? Well, coming up next, Congresswoman Claudia Tenney and Reverend Jim Harden discuss the battle to protect pro-life pregnancy centers. Don't go away. You're watching Huckabee.
This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Go to MikeHuckabee.com and sign up for his free newsletter and follow at GovMikeHuckabee on Twitter. And welcome back, everybody. I don't know if you know this, but there is a growing trend in this country, and it's led by the radical left, and it endangers the godly work of pro-life pregnancy centers from violent attacks by radical abortion activists. These domestic terrorists, well, frankly, want to destroy these centers, and their criminal acts are being ignored by local authorities and the feds alike. But there's hope. Congresswoman Claudia Tenney from New York's 24th District has introduced the Pregnancy Resource Center Defense Act. Joining her is Reverend Jim Harden, the CEO of Compass Care, and together they're working to ensure that these centers all over the country can continue to provide compassionate care as well as support to all kinds of women and families in need without having to face threats and violence. Please welcome two heroes, Congresswoman Tenney and Reverend Harden. Thank you, guys. It is great to have you back, Congresswoman. We've loved having you on the show before. This really got to you, I think, in an emotional way, and you've taken this on as a cause. So what was it that just lit your fire and said, something is not right here? We have had so many of these disastrous and tragic situations, and the work that Jim Harden and his uh, group and team do at Compass Care is just life-saving. Yeah. Uh, they're kind, they're compassionate, they're saving lives, they're giving women who choose life, an opportunity to have their baby, uh, to support you know, their health, their nutrition. They support them after the baby is born. And yet we have this radical pro-abortion type of uh, mantra in New York. We even have uh, the governor who wants to have abortion tourism. We have the attorney general. Abortion tourism. I want you to describe and tell our audience what does that mean, abortion tourism? It sounds gruesome. So a lot of people were concerned, and, and I know there's all this discussion about how our abortion rights are under attack, and, you know, the Dobbs decision merely said it's up to the states. Yeah. So unfortunately, in New York State, if you're pro-life like I am, uh, New York allows abortion up to the moment of birth. It's the really moment? unlimited, yeah. uh, the, the rights to have an abortion. And I've debated this bill on the floor for a few years when I was a member of the, U the New York State Assembly, and it finally passed. We never thought it would pass because we had a Republican Senate. Now we have a veto-proof majority uh, in the legislature, and our governor thinks that it, we, if women can't get abortions in other states, then she's going to bring them in to have their late-term abortion mm -hmm. or whatever they want. And, and Jim's group, Compass Care, uh, has gr bravely stood in the breach and provided these options. And our attorney general, Letitia James, how ghoulish is this, huh. tried to stop Google from allowing Compass Care to be on a Google search so women could find pregnancy services if they decided to choose life. Jim, I, I, I got to just jump in. This is a government agency telling a private business search engine not to let people find information that they are intentionally looking for. Yes. We're talking about government collusion <clears throat> with private entities to deprive pro-life citizens of their constitutional rights, freedom of speech, First Amendment, uh, freedom of religion, uh, and equal protection under the law, 14th Amendment. I mean, the, what's happening right now is a collusion that has been... Um, well, just revealed, but uh, it, it, it goes all the way to the DOJ, the Biden administration, uh, the FBI, they're refusing to uh, investigate. We're, we're, there's been over 300 attacks on pro-life organizations since the illegal- One of them uh, was yours. What all did they do to your center, Compass Care? Well, uh, 30 days after the original firebombing in Madison, Wisconsin, pro-abortion Antifa, Jane's Revenge, issued an ultimatum. 30 days, pregnancy centers, you got 30 days to shut down or you're gonna get it again. <clears throat> Well, on day 30, we got firebombed. 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 Multiple Molotov cocktails, multiple perpetrators, uh, half a million dollars of damage. Uh, two firefighters were injured in putting out the blaze. 
And, uh, and they wrote another communique saying, we did it. You saw what we can do in Buffalo. We're going to be all over the country. Next time, though, if you don't shut down, it's not going to be so easily cleaned up as fire and graffiti, which is a murder threat. These people want to kill us. They're calling us Christian fascists. There was once a time when Democrats were as pro-life as Republicans. In mm -hmm. fact, sometimes they were more. John F. Kennedy was a strong pro-life mm -hmm. uh, president and member of the Senate before, as was uh, Robert F. Kennedy. These were, nobody doubts where they were, they were Democrats, but they were pro-life. And Catholic. And Catholic, <laughs> and, and faithful Catholics in their mm -hmm. sense that they were uh, staying true to the teachings of their church. What has happened, and now I don't think I can name a real pro-life member of, uh, of the legislature in D.C. So what can we do to bring at least awareness that this is not, and it should not be, a partisan issue? No. It ought to be a human rights issue. I think more education, understanding of what's really going on, and the laws. I think a lot of people, I find, when I was advocating uh, after the Dobbs decision was made, where it was up, left up to the states. Remember, this was not in a bill that said that abortions were banned. It was left to yeah. the states. It was decided by the Constitution. And a lot of people didn't realize that we had late-term abortion in New York and some of these states where this extremist position is dominating by really far-left uh, Democrats. I think they're more Marxist in a way. And so that's why I came up with the uh, Pregnancy Resource Center Defense Act to give them resources to, do, uh, to find uh, these people guilty of crimes from misdemeanors to felonies, increase the penalties for people who are going to attack these pro-life centers. Uh, look, there, we had the same type of bill come into the House of Representatives, and all but one Democrat voted against saving lives. Only one Democrat from Texas voted against late-term abortion. So I don't know how you, it's gotta be lack of education because I'll tell you, people just don't understand what's really happening. And the violence against these, these centers is, is really appalling. I know we have a lot of violence in our society. Sure. But, but, but against innocent life, uh, to not understand that, you know, we have a, a right to protect. And I will say something, one thing about a lot of the Democrats, they hide behind this, well, we're pro-choice. Well, when you are trying to stop women from getting to a pregnancy center where they choose life, that's yes. a choice. Right. You're not pro-choice anymore, you're pro-abortion. Exactly. You're pro-death. <clears throat> I, I think we need to quit using the term pro-choice and say pro-abortion versus pro-life because that's really what we are. If anyone ever calls me anti-abortion, I say, no, no, no. It's not that I'm against abortion. I believe every life has worth and value. There's no such thing as a disposable, exactly. expendable human being. Exactly. Every, every human being has purpose. It's be and it's because we're, it's because we're all made in the image of God. That's yeah. why God gives us dignity. We have inherent value from the womb to the tomb without partiality. When a, when a government agency or somebody in, in an elected position decides that they should vest themselves with the ability to, to disqualify any category of person from, from protection under the law, that person is representing a tyranny. It's not government that, that endows us. It's our creator that endows us. Absolutely, 100%. Let me tell you what I hope. I hope that people will reach out to you, Congresswoman, as well as to you, Jim. Uh, we're going to get links on our website because I want people to reach out and, and to say, how can I help you by making contact with my own congressperson? And Jim, I hope they'll reach out to you and say, how can I help you rebuild Compass Care? Thank you. Uh, you've been under assault and attack. It's disgusting what has happened to you. And sadly, what's happened to those precious women who have come to you for help and they've got to walk through the debris of a, of a charred fire scene to get some help. So I say, I know you're going to want to follow Congresswoman Claudia Tenney and Reverend Jim Harden on social media and connect with Compass Care, as well as the Congresswoman. You can find links to do all of that at Huckabee.tv. Right now, Keith Bilbrey, I wish you would tell us what else is on the show, because we got a lot left to do. <laughs> Well, there is some news to laugh about with In Case You Missed It. That's after the break on Huckabee. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. 
They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. I tell you, that band is making this place come alive with the music of Boston. But give a big hand for a band that can do any kind of music that we throw at them. I mean any kind, and they do it better than anybody. Trey Corley and the Music City Connection. They are rocking the house tonight. Now, you may have heard about the Steps of Paul Mediterranean Cruise. I'm going to be leading that. It's coming up October 29th through November the 7th aboard a spectacular cruise ship just for our group. Shonda Pierce, the queen of comedy, is going to be joining us, along with Larry Gatlin and many more special guests. We've got a few spots remaining, so you better hurry and be part of this once-in-a-lifetime experience. Sign up today at thegreatesttrip.com. Well, from snakes on your plate to the world's oldest hockey player, we're skating on thin ice tonight with this week's news stories on In Case You Missed It. All right, we begin tonight with an unlikely hockey story. Congratulations to Linda Sinrod of Lorton, Virginia. She just made the Guinness Book of Records for being the world's oldest female hockey player. Uh, Keith you want to know how old she is? Uh, I'll take, no, you, okay. you tell me. You she tell me. is 82 no. years young. And she's actually playing like, hockey. No. Unbelievable. That's scary. Uh, it is scary. She started out as a figure skater, and then she got interested in hockey at the ripe old age of 35, when most wow. people have retired. She played for 10 years till she was 45. Then she tried to retire, but instead, at 67, she decided to play for the Prince William Wildcats at 67. Yeah. And for eight years of that, wow. she tried to retire again. But at age 75, she joined another league and realized she'd broken the age record by two years. Mm. Keith, I'm thinking I might need a nap. Just... <laughs> Just pouring over Just that. thinking about it. I mean, wow. Well, I gave up hockey some time ago. Did you? Yeah. Like when you were five? Or? Yeah. Well, I, I started as a figure skater, but I... <laughs> I would pay to see that. I know where you came from, pal, and there was no figure skating in Coldfield, Tennessee. None at all. Uh-uh. You were just trying to figure how to get through That's... life in Cookville, Tennessee. I never got past the roller skate, you know? <laughs> well... I got to tell you, the great thing about being an 80-year-old hockey player is that having two artificial knees and a replacement hip means that you fit right in with the rest of the team. Mm. And here's a real bonus, Keith. If you get your teeth knocked out, you can just pick them up and pop them back in. <laughs> right back in there. Or either that, you can, heck, use them for a puck, I think. <laughs> anyway, congratulations, Cylinder. We are impressed with your accomplishments. And if you'll send us a team photo... And I hope, by the way, you play till you're 100. I'm sure there's somewhere an over 100 league in Canada. Probably in Canada. Probably in Canada. That's what I'm thinking. Well, speaking of body parts, let me go ahead and warn you, this next story, it's a little disturbing. Japanese artist Masataka Shiodo found unexpected success selling accessories that look like, believe this or not, realistic body parts. Whoa. Oh, boy. Interesting. I mean, just in time for summer fashion, right? Here's what he does. He combines silicone and horror movie special effects to create things like severed finger ink stamps. Oh, I want one of those. Oh, doesn't every family need that? And purses that look like human mouths. This is crazy. Are you making this up? I'm not making this up. This is real. I want to see Anyway, I believe the young kids call this nightmare fuel. Uh Anyway, uh... Shishudo said that people thought it was gross at first, but now they tell him it's kind of cute and interesting. Cute and interesting. I still think it's gross. <laughs> I think you? they're lying to him. I, I really do, because it's still gross. I think I'd rather look in my couch cushions for loose chains. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, look at this thing. That's a purse. That right there that you no. see on the screen. That, that's it? 
That is oh, not a person's goodness. mouth. That is a purse that looks like a person's mouth. And on oh, top Lord. of being repulsive, it's expensive. That blinking eyeball, that's a necklace. It costs an eye popping $4,500. See what I did there? Uh, I, I heard you that. Saw, that yep. was clever. There you go. Anyway, I bet he charges an arm and a leg for an arm and a leg. <laughs> what do you think? Well, you know, James O'Keefe ought to get one of those eyeball necklaces with the hidden camera on it. I think that would be good for him. All right, finally, let's move beyond all this grossness with a cute animal story. I'm oh, ready for way. it. Yeah. Well, you know the restaurants where people are allowed to bring their dogs onto the patio? Kind of, Kind of neat. Well, a reptile fan in Malaysia wants to show how lovable reptiles can be as pets. So get ready for this, Keith. This is good. That's a hard sell right there. Well, he has opened a reptile-friendly restaurant, believe this or not. It has tanks full of live snakes and lizards that you can pet while you're ordering your food. Oh, boy. That's a, that's a dream right there. I mean, wouldn't that <laughs> just raise your appetite? <laughs> Always wanted to do that. And the restaurant is called Fangs, as in fangs but no fangs. I go want to eat somewhere else, right? <laughs> Although every order of corn does come with a free corn snake. Oh. I mean, seriously, it sounds like something that a child would think of while babbling in the backseat of a car. Uh-huh. Mommy, can we have a picnic at the pet store? <laughs> Yeah, this reminds me of an old Yakov Smirnov joke. At Fang's restaurant, dinner, eat you. <laughs> wow. Here is a tip. If a snake suggests that you eat an apple, don't listen. No. Good. Hey, I've got a suggestion. That's biblical, eh? I think you should open a Fang's restaurant in New York City. I mean, yeah. it'd be the only restaurant in town that didn't have a rat problem, right? Oh. Wow, I hadn't even thought of that. All right, before all of you start hissing at me, we're going to slither away from this bit. But remember, until next time, we read the news. Coming up, Larry Loftus shares the powerful story of World War II heroine Corey Ten Boom. That's next on Huckabee. Welcome back. Corrie Tin Boom was a Dutch watchmaker who saved the lives of hundreds of Jews from the gas chambers. All of that during World War II. By the miracle of God's grace, she survived a German concentration camp, even forgave her captors as part of her undying faith. Larry Loftus has written a book, and it reveals the truths of Corrie's life that have never been made public before. It's called The Watchmaker's Daughter, the true story of World War II heroine Corey Tin Boom. Please welcome Larry Loftus. Larry, great to have Thank you here. Thank you. Thank you. Larry, I love the story of Corey Tin Boom. I've actually been to Harlem in the Netherlands and been to her home, the watch shop, the mm -hmm. museum now where they have. And, you know, it's just riveting to realize what her family did to save people that they didn't even know. And they weren't even of the same faith. These, they were Christians and they right. saved Jewish people. Why did they do it? Well, the Ten Boom family has a very long history dating back to their great-grandfather who was loved, the, they, were, they were Dutch Reformed, they loved the Jews, uh, prayed for Jerusalem, mm -hmm. that went to the grandfather, then it went to Casper, who was Corey's father, Corey's mother had died fairly young, and it, it was just this generation of very godly men that loved Jerusalem and, and, and prayed for Jews. Right around 50 years ago, there was a real interest in Corey Ten Boom, and uh, the Billy Graham Association did a movie about mm -hmm. her. It was it was wonderful, and there was a book that Corey Ten Boom wrote, an autobiography. In this book, The Watchmaker's Daughter, you talk about there are things that have never been told before the true story. Let's talk about what are some things that maybe we haven't really known about 
Corey Ten Boom's. Yeah, most people know about the hiding place, but Corey didn't actually write that. If you look on the below her name on the cover, it says with John and Elizabeth Sherrill, hmm. uh, professional writers. That's yeah. who wrote the book. Corey did write an autobiography right after the war in 1947 called A Prisoner and Yet, but it was a very small Christian publisher and she's not a writer, so it didn't go anywhere. Hmm. So decades later, the Sherrills found her and said, we love your story, can we, can we write it again? And I didn't even know that. It wasn't until her archives are at the Billy Graham Center at Wheaton College, and they've got everything that she had, everything, hmm. all of her letters and prison letters, photographs from the time whenever, when, these, when this was going on, all of her passports, scrapbooks, and newsletters. And in one of her, a couple of her magazines, she says that, that she's waiting for the Sherrills to finish. Um, so the Sherrills didn't have all of the information because they're going on Corey's memory from 30 years before. Yeah. And so I had to do the research to find out what really happened. And Corey didn't keep a diary. So again, we're going on memory. And fortunately, one of the people that stayed in their home, he was a Dutch, the, the Dutch boys had to hide as well because the Germans would snatch him off the street and send him to a concert, and mm. send him to a work factory in Germany because their men were at war. So they had to hide as well. And a Dutch boy named Hans Poli was the first ref permanent refugee into their home and stayed longer than anybody else. He kept a diary. And so I was able to, to track what happened in that home every single day throughout the entire period that they were hiding Jews and Dutch boys. What are some of the big missing pieces that maybe haven't really been uh, explored fully about Corrie ten Boom's life? We know that she was part of a family that uh, hid Jews and protected them, but then ended up herself going to the concentration camp. Yeah, the, 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 you mentioned the first big thing is that she forgave everybody, not, not yeah. just the captors, she forgave the Germans in general, but she forgave even the person who betrayed their family. She was betrayed not by a German, but by another Dutchman. Why? And, and what was the uh, rationale? Was it just to preserve themselves? Basically, okay. because the Nazis controlled, it was an occupied country, so the Nazis controlled everything, and you might get special favors. So he betrayed their family, and that was the hardest one for her to forgive, but she did forgive him. She came out of a concentration camp barely alive, and not only did she forgive, but then she started telling her story and give witness of what God had done in her life. And I think a lot of people have said, Corey, what God did in your life, he let you go to a concentration camp, you could have died. She comes out the most optimistic person in the world. What was that secret? Yeah, not only that, but she started, uh, the first thing that she did is she started basically uh, uh, almost a convalescent center for people that have been harmed by the war, mm. emotionally harmed, spiritually harmed. Think of all of the people that lost husbands and lost brothers and sons. And so the, she opened her own home for, for, for people like this. In fact, they, she had another benefactor that let her use basically a mansion because she had five sons Four of them had already died in the war. Hmm. And she said, just use my homes, do your center. So Corey started bringing in refugees, people that had been injured, impaired, or, or just emotionally damaged from the war. And then she did it in Germany. She went to Germany and opened a center in Darmstadt, Germany, which was a concentration camp. And so in the book, I've got photos that came out of her archives at Wheaton College that shows the before and after when it was a concentration camp. And then was Corey, when Corey finished, decorated with, there were flower boxes in all the windows and flowers all around it. So she did that actually three different times. I, I think there's just such an extraordinary story of her. Uh, there, there's obviously a lot more that people didn't get simply by reading The Hiding Place, which first introduced us to her. Um, and I hope people will read The Watchmaker's Daughter so that they can find the rest of the story. As Paul Harvey used to say, that's right. and now the rest, rest of, of the story. story. And that's what you've given us. What a great gift of a remarkable human being who really did live and serve the Lord in a way that very few people could ever imagine. Larry, thank you for being here. And this is the book, it's called The Watchmaker's Daughter. It's available right now. I hope you read the book. You can order it at all major bookstores or online. You can also get it on Larry Loftus's website. If you wanna know how to get there, it's easy. Go to Huckabee.tv, we will connect you. We're gonna make it easy for you to get this book, and I hope you do. Speaking of easy, Keith Bilbrey has an easy job. He's just gonna connect us with what's coming up next. Well, brace yourself for some big laughs. Comedian Leland Clausen is coming up next, straight ahead on Huckabee.
Huckabee.tv and get your very own Made in the USA Huckabee mugs, t-shirts, and more. Welcome back. I got to tell you, our next guest asked me to read this. So here it is. Leland Clausen is my favorite comedian ever. He is a reliable guy that pays all his bills on time, so there's no need to keep calling him over it over and over again, okay? Also, he is a real Canadian prince who recently entertained a flock of Canadian geese in a hot air balloon powered by a monkey riding a bicycle. And now he is here to entertain you wonderful people. Please welcome Leland Lawson. Oh, thank you. Thank you for that 100% accurate introduction. That was wonderful. This is actually my, my second, thanks for having me back. It's my second time uh, being on the show, and um, uh, it's great. To, I actually had a guy come up to me after the show last time, this, this unhinged lunatic got in my face and was like, yeah, if you're married, you're talking about your wife. How about your wife? Talk about your wife. How about your wife? And I was like, dude, just take it easy. Just because she's your daughter. Just, it was, it was my father-in-law. That's the joke. This is my, my father-in-law. That's the one I started with. <laughs> I, I'm trying though. I'm, I'm, you guys, I'm trying with my wife. I, I go to great, great lengths to, I, I went to spin class with her. And I don't know if you know what spin class is. It's the stationary bike. It's, I went to the spin class with her First of all, it was the seedy part of town. Like, it's the, it's the kind of place you wouldn't want to take a, a regular bike. Like, you wouldn't want to take an unstationary bike, too. <laughs> and then we get this old building, and it's downstairs. It's like, well, are we going in the cellar? What is going on? It was foreshadowing. That's what it was. It was horrible. We got in there, and they're serious about it. They, they made me put these special shoes on. They had special shoes that they click, you click onto the bike so you can't go anywhere. Like, it's not, it's not casual. If you want to leave, they're like, yeah, sorry, you should have put the pens on. You're staying right where you are till this session is over. It's, man, so we get into the, we get into the, the, the place where we're about to start. I'm there with my wife. And you guys, I was there for my wife. That's the reason I was there, okay? So you know my heart, okay? We get in there. It's me, my wife, and 30 women in yoga pants. And I'm like, oh, no, I'm not. I'm not about that. I'll just, you know what? I'm just going to go sit in the back. Well, you don't sit in the back of a spin class. <laughs> so I was like, oh, no, this is not, no. Does, does the bike move? How stationary is it? I'm just going to shift it around. <laughs> well, honey, I'll do, it, I'll do it this way. And then this safety inspector person came. I don't know what her, I gave, that's the term I gave her, safety inspector. But safety? It's a, it's a stationary bike. What do I got to look out for, stationary buses? What are we doing? <laughs> But she got me clicked in. She was the one that got me into the, okay, here we go. And then the, then the main lady comes out, the main, the main instructor, and she's got one of these microphones. She's got the, the rock star microphone. She's got like a, the Michael Jackson microphone, right? <laughs> like she's got, you guys, you, you don't understand who I'm talking about. Okay, um, that's okay. She had a, she had a pastor's microphone, a pastor's. It depends on the denomination. It really depends on your, if that's how your pastor. I don't know. And then it starts, okay? The lights went off. It was pitch dark, and then the dance club lights came on, and that's when I discovered I was sitting right by a massive speaker because it started putting the, the club tunes in. And everybody starts going, and I'm freaking out. I can't hear anything. And that's when I also discovered the instructor is uh, Charlie Brown's teacher. Want, want, you couldn't hear anything. They knew what she was saying. I didn't. She, every time she's like, blah, 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 blah. and they're all like, oh, does that mean up? Is that, is that, oh, are we going up? Is that what we do, honey? And then blah, blah, blah. back down again. We're down. That means down. I know that now. I'm looking at my wife. She starts doing this to me. She starts like, blah, 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 blah. we're turning the thing. Now we turn it. Why? Is it broken? Why is everybody's bike broken? Finally, my wife just looks over at me and she's like, why do you have to ruin everything that we do? I think she said that. I couldn't hear her. I'm assuming that's what she was saying. And, and oh, then my foot came off. To th I'm supposed to be clicked in and it came off. So now I'm one leg in it trying to keep up with everybody. 
was a nightmare. So then it ends, it finally ends. I'm still shaking. Uh, the music stops, they're still ringing in my ears, and these ladies are walking out with towels around their necks. They're just like, oh, I had a, such a relaxing time. Meanwhile, I've got PTSD. <laughs> my wife's looking at her, at her bike, she's like, oh, I, I burnt 250 calories, how much did you burn? And I was like, I don't know. She looks at my bike, she's like, 1,200? What did you set the tension at? And I was like, what's that? That's the middle thing. I, apparently I set it too hard. And I was trying to keep up with one leg half the time. I was like, ah, how steep is this hill? I, my legs were just rubber at the end of it. I was just walking, oh yeah, let's get out of here, let's go. And then I had to go up steps to leave. It's like, I don't think so. I'm just gonna lay down at the bottom of the steps and warn people as they come down to listen to the safety inspector. You guys have been a great crowd. My name is Leland Costa, thank you so much. Uh, that was fun. Leland, that was fantastic. Thank you. I'll tell you, you've made me decide I'm never going to a spinning class. Yes. Not that I was going to one anyway, but not anymore. Trust me, yeah, it's not. My guess is you're going to want to see Leland perform near you or maybe book him for your event. That would be absolutely great. You'll have as much fun with him as we did, and we've had a blast. To do that, if you go to Huckabee.tv, we will connect you to Leland Clausen, and he will come to your town. Well, he probably will. I'll, I'll take a bike there. A bike. He'll bike there. That's even better. Right now, we're going to bike over to Keith Bilbrey, because a show this big has got to go out with a bang. So, Keith, tell us what we got. Mission accomplished. You're in luck. Country crooner Tony Jackson is back with us to sing his new song, Five Dollar Bible. And he's coming up next on Huckabee. Join Huckabee next week for former deputy assistant to the President Trump, Cash Patel, and multi-platinum selling singer-songwriter Mark Will. Welcome back, everybody. We love our next guest so much that this is our third time having him. He's got a great new song that he's about to release called $5 Bible, and he's going to premiere it for us here tonight. I want you to welcome my favorite U.S. Marine turned country music star. Please give a big welcome to Tony Jackson. Tony, it's so good having you back. We love you coming on the show. I, I just think that you're one of the greatest voices in country music today, and you're just such a nice guy that we want you on the show as often as you'll come and well, be with us. I'll be back as often as you have me, and you know, calling me a nice guy makes me feel bad. I just got back from Japan. I picked up a present for you. You did? But after watching your last segment, I think I'm still wrong. <laughs> Was it a reptile? Yeah, it had an eyeball on it. Uh, thanks for, thank, <laughs> thank you for not bringing it out. Yeah, so. Well, speaking of, you know, you're kind of busy these days. Next week, you're going to be at the Grand Ole Opry. Yes. Incredible fame circle. How cool is that? It's amazing. It's, uh, this will be my 11th time. And uh, it never gets old. I love it. It's an amazing place to, to perform, and, and I just, I, I'm all over it. Almost as wonderful as coming to the Huckabee Show, I'm sure. It's close second. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> right thing to say, no doubt about it. This new song that you have is one that I, I the lyrics are just wonderful. Five Dollar Bible. Yeah. It's a great story. I mean, country music is about stories. This is a wonderful story. Tell That's us about right. it. Um, you know, my, my manager sent it to me, and the first time I heard it, I said, man, this is amazing. Uh, it is mine. Do not send it to anybody else. <laughs> uh, story of my life. And so um, I've got a hold of it, recorded it, and now I'm proud to send it out to the world. If this song doesn't just fly up the charts, there's something wrong with the people who are running the music business. Because I'm telling you, the people of this country hearing this song, are going to be touched by it. They're going to love it. They're going to want to buy it and download it and stream it. 
and demand that their radio station play it every day. I've got 50 bootleg copies of it with me tonight, so I hope to <laughs> at least sell out of those. You know, one of the things that we love about you, you serve this country as a United States Marine. Yes. And uh, we're proud for the freedom that you helped provide for the rest of us, and you did. When, when you have the opportunity, do, do you hope to take the new album that you've got and maybe perform it for vets around the country and around Absolutely. the world? Absolutely, and even active duty people. You know, I've done USO shows before yeah. overseas, and so I look forward to getting back out there and, and, and revisiting my old stomping grounds without doing all the running. When you were here before, I think the very first time, we talked a little bit about your, your background. And one of the things that I was fascinated, you grew up just listening to country music and loving country music. You know, and a lot of people, all they want to hear is rock and roll. You know, I, I'm all into rock and roll too. Yeah. But, I mean, you just absorbed country music from the time you were a tot. I grew up listening to Armed Forces Radio. My dad was in the Navy. Yeah. And uh, it just so happens there's no genre, right? There's a Navy yeah. guy in a room and whatever somebody calls and asks for, that's what they play. Mm -hmm. and it just so happens that most of the songs that come across are country music songs. And so, and... You know, li I'd lived overseas as a kid. Yeah. And most of these songs had you know, real things, the family and relationships and things that you miss when you're away from your family. Yeah. So it just kind of imprinted itself on me. Do you have a favorite of all the country songs that you grew up listening to? Is there one that just, I mean, even to this day, when you hear it, it still takes you back to those childhood days? Whew, that's, that's, that's a good one. I have to say George Jones. Yeah. The race is on. Wow. You, there, there's only one George Jones that's ever lived. I mean, yeah. you know, he's been gone for 10 years, but I'm going to tell you something. If there ever was a country artist whose voice transformed the country music business, right. it was that of George Jones. Agree. And I, I'm with you. And he was a Marine. Now, you know what? I was not remembering that. Yeah. No wonder he was such a great <laughs> singer. That's right. That's right. Well, you're going to do this song, $5 Bible, for us, and I'm telling you, we are excited to hear it. While Tony and I get set up to play, Keith Bilbrey is going to tell you where you can hear more about Tony Jackson, because I am absolutely convinced you really do want to. Keith? Well, head to Huckabee.tv, and you'll find links to Tony's music, tour dates, social media, and much more. We are so excited tonight having our audience, the co-writer of Tony Jackson's new single, Karen Staley. Let us know where you are, Karen. There she is, that big old cowboy hat. You're going to love this song. Thank you for this, Karen. We need this. Now performing $5 Bible with Trey Corley and the Music City Connection and Mike on bass, here's Tony Jackson. Spent my youth Chasing after gold Buying things to fill this hole Bigger houses, faster cars to drive Still the empty wasn't satisfied No telling how much money I laid down Just to find Yeah. 